today's podcast is part two of two in our conversation on racial dystopias. Uh, we hope you joined us last week, but if not, we do think uh, this conversation stands on its own. As always, thanks very much for listening. Uh, for our listeners, we had a slight uh, disruption uh, in in my uh, recording, so uh, it's going to be a little bit disjointed. We apologize for that. Um, mm. I, I don't know what got cut off, but basically I was kind of ranting about the fact <laughs> that that these companies, these social media companies mm-hmm. and media companies, and it's a well-known, I mean, there's the truism, you know, if it, if it bleeds, it leads, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is right. Like, like we know that bad news grabs people's attention. I mean, Absolutely. we see it in our, in our, in our fiction and in our drama, and we also see it in our news. Um, and so of course these social media companies have a vested interest in, these kind of algorithms and these dynamics, these things that are feed that are that are serving up um, discord and mm-hmm. and anger. Mm-hmm. What yes. what's what's shifted? Um, because all of these forces have always been there. They're not new. You know th- that aspect of journalism has been around for a very long time. One of the things that is rapidly eroding in this country is any kind of solid core that wants to hold the idea of America together. I'm not saying those people don't exist, but I'm mm-hmm. saying institutions that we trust mm-hmm. and believe in mm-hmm. to sort of kind of pull us back from our more destructive impulses and tendencies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, they're weak at this point and mm-hmm. they're, they're not effective. And mm-hmm. so, these constituencies are running, you know, at full speed for the exits and just tearing everything down as, as this, like this tendency expands. Um, And, you know, I I have no, I don't, you know, I'm not sure what the next, I mean, part of that is, you know, we do this podcast. I hope people listen to it and go like, Oh, these people can disagree and not like hate each other. And, you know, these (laughs) people are, you know, like, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the hope, but of course, you know, it's, um, it's a very, very tiny drop in a very, very, very large, large storm. So, so when you were talking about this uh, media companies, or just and just how people use social media. So this morning, as I'm doing mm-hmm. research for the Rachel Nichols piece or the Rachel Nichols um, issue, mm-hmm. I pulled up a um, put up. I'm pulling up right now. Giannis Antetoko. Umpo's reaction to Rachel Nichols goes viral. Oh right? yeah, oh yeah, Janice okay. Atentukumpo. Uh, right. Atentukumpo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um he's the Bucks. Now, you're just showing player. off now. He's, no, you're just showing off. No, now. no, no. It's just, <laughs> but but I, there's nothing. I, but this is a story that went viral that absolutely <laughs> meant nothing. Oh. Meaning that I huh. opened it up and I went looking at it again. What he did. So she asked a question. He's mm-hmm. you know he's a sports mm-hmm. guy. He's sitting there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she asked a question and he looks over like he doesn't recognize or see who's asking the question mm-hmm. but that's it there's nothing else mm-hmm. that was his, it was a gesture mm-hmm. so what it was shared the way it was framed it was that he was like what you doing here that's mm-hmm. not what he was doing yeah, okay. he was simply and then he goes oh mm-hmm. yeah okay i see the person doing this and i can't tell you how many times i have gone yeah. to i've been clickbaited like mm-hmm. all of us, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this is going to be Absolutely. about something. This mm-hmm. is nothing. This mm-hmm. was, and then the people who um, twi- tweeted it mm-hmm. were like, this, this isn't what I saw a moment ago. You can't. Did you see the same video I saw? <laughs> nothing. He just looked at 
who was speaking? That was right, it. Right. Nothing. Right, it was right, absolutely right. fucking nothing. And it was so annoying. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I've been clickbaited. Mm-hmm. I'm all I'm doing is trying to find some information about this story. Here you go. Mm-hmm. And so you have a significant amount, what I suspect is a significant amount of clickbait that that, that takes an issue and then just it's it's spiraling out into different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So there's some threads of truth over here but for the most part you're just getting inflammatory nonsense Mm. Mm. just nonsense Mm. with memes (laughs) you know memes attached to it brother wasn't doing anything he just giannis was just like but that oh yeah but that nonsense ends up like causing a fire in the world like people it actually it actually has impacts beyond just the utter stupidity of those moments. Like it, it it leads ESPN to make these kind of like wild swings in one direction or another, or it leads to the formation of QAnon. No, definitely. Yeah. Oh no, definitely. So what is our faith? What is our, what is our responsibility as citizens here? Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's a great question. That is a great question. So, I mean, I know what that answer mm -hmm. is for me, but no, please Stephen, go, go. So I did, I'm going to answer the question. What I'm going to do is kind of go around the question, which is when people um, send me recommendations for films where everyone is being killed and shot up, <laughs> I go, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not interested in that. Or, hey, have you seen right. the la- latest racial drama? Mm-hmm. No, I want to sleep. <laughs> so, so, you know, so, so I think about what we cons- what I'm saying is in short, I think. Yeah, a lot yeah, yeah. about what I consume and how it shapes my brain and how I don't want to be up at three o'clock down a rabbit hole looking for something that in some cases is misreported, misunderstood, or really doesn't make me a better human being. It doesn't make me kinder to people. It doesn't make me more thoughtful about my own um, culpability in making the society. It just makes me mad or it frightens me or makes me scared. So I think about what we're consuming I know what I want to do. I know what my daily job is. And my daily job is to see you. That's my daily job is to see you and not let you, not myself become something, not become a brand, not become somebody as ugly little thing. You can do whatever you want over here. But my job is when you approach me, you're going to approach me like a human. This is what we're going to do. So so this is my follow-up question then, Stephen. I I love what you just said. But so when those people... Uh, those people, I should say, friends, colleagues, send you these us, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? <laughs> us. When we send you, yes, these links to things that don't essentially increase your ability to be a thinking, feeling human being. Um, mm-hmm. Do you then feel it your responsibility? And I'm, I kind of suspect I know the answer, but do you then feel it your, that it's your responsibility to push back a little and, and help them be more thoughtful about what they're consuming and or suggesting to you? Like, do you, do you, will you say, hey, you know, do you just say, oh, you know, I'm not really interested in this? Or do you say, hey, you know, I've been thinking that this kind of thing isn't mm-hmm. really increasing the quotient of happiness in the world. So this is the kind of thing like, it, like, you know, do you do you, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't share it. Mm. I've, so I haven't done the latter of that. No, okay. I've done, this isn't interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And if pushed, then I might be moving to se- the second part of what you said, because, mm-hmm. because, I, because, I, because I have different competing interests in my head. One is to be culturally fluent. So mm-hmm. I want to have these conversations mm-hmm. about these of different course. shows. Mm-hmm. And if it's so, so hot, um, then I'm definitely like, I want to 
have an opinion about it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be told mm-hmm. anything. I just want to know mm-hmm. it. And I noticed that the more there are as many channels on YouTube. I mean, there's so many channels on YouTube where there are some amazing analysis going on. And then mm-hmm. there are some terrible. So mm-hmm. at the very least, I need, I, I, I wouldn't even watch a video or one of those before I saw a movie. I'm like, no, I really want to see what I would get out of it. But this mm-hmm. idea of the um, a cultural diet of misery and doom and dystopian, all mm-hmm. of that, I get it. But again, it do- I I think it's I think I'm more inclined to try to share. Oh, you know what? I watched a, a um, Andre Tarkovsky film today, mm-hmm. and I might share. I I think that seems to be my mode when someone asks is asking me what am I watching when mm-hmm. they send me stuff. And there's a good friend of ours. Um, stuff that sends me a lot of stuff and i just go this isn't i oh, think yeah. you got the wrong person oh yeah oh yeah yeah. i yeah. think you have the wrong person we've been friends yeah. for a while but you have the wrong person yeah i don't find this interesting i don't find you know people sending me fights like yeah. real life fights interesting yeah. watch this oh yeah yeah okay no i'm, I'm gonna sit over here with my frito bag and i'm just gonna not watch this <laughs> because this is not this isn't doesn't why does it feel good why does it, I don't even know if that's the right framing of it. It feels like if you're consuming this stuff all the time, it becomes your norm. I suspect it does, or at the very least, it shapes the way, what your expectations of the world are. Mm-hmm. And I can't yeah. let that get in my way, mm-hmm. you know, of imagining. So I love this idea of, I want to take just one more second, and that's mm-hmm. with um, the Frida Kahlo versus the Imagine Museum. Mm-hmm. Imagination projects are <laughs> far and few between when mm-hmm. it comes to liter- when it comes to broadcast or written or literary things mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. mass produced the imagination's not there mm-hmm. it's interesting about the Kahlo thing which is a great point mm-hmm. by the way mm-hmm. it's a great point but I didn't see it as a takedown I saw it as a clarification mm-hmm. but I can see how other people would see it as a takedown or would mm-hmm. use it as a takedown mm-hmm. because either they don't like her or they're like oh she, she was from I just go, that's not the point. The point is that she took on these, um, took on these, uh, the, the cultural accoutrements that didn't belong to her. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a part of her experience. Mm-hmm. But then to make it even more complicated, she brought attention to right. that. So right. like, where do you put all that? Right. You know? and, and which ends up making other people feel disempowered because they don't have the same ability to put their culture front and center and get more eyes on these cultural representations. So they feel in, in one ways, in some ways, I guess, seen, but seen not through the lens they want to be seen. Yes, but but, yes. but, but mm-hmm. there's something here that reminds me of a conversation I had with Travis years ago. And I've, I've thought about this consistently. Um, and I've even repeated the story, but I think I've not done it quite justice because you remember it or know it much better than I do, Travis. But you talked to me one time about the kind of just, just describing this cultural landscape of this sort of um, seeing everything as a kind of potential conflict or reveling in the potential conflict um, mm-hmm. and being able to and mm-hmm. being able to mm-hmm. being interested in taking people down. You talked about the two ages which is by a story from Kierkegaard, I think. Something about okay. like oh, skating out the, to the middle yeah. of the ice. and Yeah. yeah. Could you, could yeah, you rehearse it's a, that? It's, Ooh, yeah, I like this. It, it's The Present Age. Okay. It's a very small book by Soren Kierkegaard, and it's about the difference between the heroic age and the present age. And, and in a heroic age, Kierkegaard describes the person that would 
Bray, so there's a large lake where near the shore, the uh, there's a large lake where near the shore the ice is mm-hmm. uh, very thick, and then as you get further out, the ice thins. And mm-hmm. there's some great prize out on the thin part of the ice, um, some you know great jewel or some you know great piece of knowledge or something like that. In a heroic okay. age, we would celebrate the people who risked their lives to get to this great prize, even if they should die doing it. And if by some chance someone was able to overcome the absolute improbability of making it across this thin sheet of ice to the prize, they would be celebrated as a hero and, 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 mm-hmm. and lifted up by everyone. But that's not what the present age is. And he was specifically talking about the press in Denmark in the 18th mm-hmm. century. Uh, 19th century, sorry. Um, and, uh, and in the present age, what we would do is we would tear down anyone who was stupid enough to skate out to the thin part of the ice. Well, didn't they see the caution flags? Didn't they see? Obviously, I'm, I'm interjecting kind of contemporary descriptions. Yeah. You didn't have caution flags. But you know, didn't they see the cones? Didn't they read the bulletin that this was something that was dangerous? What are these people doing? And if someone should actually manage, to, and, it, and there would be very little sympathy for anyone that did not follow these mm. rules. <laughs> and then for the person that actually managed to make it out across the thin part of the ice, actually managed to secure the prize, they would be torn down. Well, if anyone, they were, if anyone had had the same, uh, had the same upbringing that they had, anyone who had the same tools that they had would be able to have done the same thing, and their achievement mm. would have been diminished. And so this is his description of of the present age. It seems particularly apt to me and has seemed apt since I read it when I was in my early 20s. I mean, this is, in fact, what we do. And I think probably we've done this for much longer than Kierkegaard gives it credit for. I think Mm. this probably can be, you can reach really far back in history to see this kind of behavior. Because, not to reach to another philosopher right away, but what Nietzsche has said about resentment, meaning like resentment, Mm-hmm. being one of the primary driving motivators in complex societies, I think is exactly right. Mm-hmm. And this is these are all contestations between elites. And, you know, you had said mm-hmm. earlier, Stephen, you were talking about, you know, Taylor and kind of incin- in the incendiary history of the United States around race. Mm-hmm. But in fact, Maria Taylor probably has not had to deal with that in the way that people before her have had to deal with that Probably. because of the work that those people did. Now, mm. I don't know for sure. I don't know where she grew up. I could be wrong about that. But if you had to lay a bet on a roulette wheel about who had a more difficult time navigating America in the 1970s, even mm-hmm. 1980s, versus someone in the 2010s, it's a better bet that the more difficult time is going to be with the people that have lived in the, the certainly the middle, I mean, those that are still mm-hmm. around, middle to latter part of the 20th century. And so while Taylor may have access to those stories through her family, through history mm-hmm. books, while we may all have access to it, 
Mm-hmm. The fact that that is not the lived experience means that it is a fully symbolized activity at this point, mm-hmm. and or or a primarily symbolized activity at this mm-hmm. point, and so mm-hmm. it becomes a matter of taste and fashion, mm-hmm. as opposed to actual. And this is one of the things that I think got Reed in trouble. You know, like sort of Reed wants to move the conversation towards like, okay, what is class? How is class functioning in America? Why are we always covering over class in America? Mm-hmm. Why are we always moving away from class mm-hmm. as mm-hmm a valid critique. And we've always done this. I mean, throughout our history, we've done this. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I'm sorry, I don't, I don't want uh, to, to keep, keep spouting off, but um, that's, that's the Kierkegaard reference that, uh, that Seth so, was mentioning. So I think uh, you mentioned this before with, because <laughs> it makes me think of um, Dan Savage as It Gets Better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember that campaign mm-hmm. around oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I'm close to finding the language to be able to parse what you're saying because <laughs> Yes, on the face of it, absolutely. But I also feel like when it comes to people's individual experiences, we can never really know what this Taylor woman has been through. Mm. But it's almost irrelevant in in, in this moment, right, mm-hmm. about what has happened with Rachel Nichols, you know, mm-hmm. this particular thing. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying mm-hmm. is that the focus really here, because Taylor more than likely... um leak this, I would put money on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Taylor is it's just too much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then that speaks to what you said about the ambition earlier. Mm-hmm. Her experience with racism, I don't know. And it doesn't, it's not necessarily apples and oranges. It just feels like the individual experience of something could be very hellish mm-hmm. and feel like it was Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. But we don't know. Because if we're not coming at it a good, with a good faith, and then we also want to people want, I think when I hear you say this, my brain goes, there's a part of me that feels that the world is impatient with how, where progress should, what progress should look like in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, what is it, does it look like everybody's treating everybody equally? That would be fine. Mm-hmm. But also know that the, 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 the language and the contours of living in a racist society are constantly telling you it's not happening. What's not happening? Race. Race. Oh, Racism. Okay. Right. You know? Okay. That's not it. You know, the gaslighting right. business. Right, right now, right, everyone right, thinks right. they know what gaslighting yeah. is. It is not. You move the chair. Oh, that chair was over there. It's over there no, now. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> I have a, if, if I, Stephen, if I may interrupt, please, please don't forget. Do. Please, please don't forget what you're going to say, but I want to give I'm sure it's something marvelous. Go ahead. <laughs> So um, in the the, uh, interim, when we had a a, a break, um, I was trying to find the name of the Washington Post columnist. I don't think I've been Mm -hmm. successful. I do remember being very, very pissed off by her. But this must have been like, I don't know, eight, ten years ago. During the presidency Mm -hmm. of Barack Obama, he had said something, and I want to say that it wasn't a written piece. It was something like someone had asked him something about this, or he'd written something like this in his book. Uh, Mm -hmm. Something about being a black man in the U.S. and having the experience of being followed around when he goes shopping, which has constantly happened to me. Into mm-hmm. my 40s. And I'm actually, I think I'm finally at a place in my life where I fee- would feel comfortable just turning to someone and say, do you expect me to steal something? Do you, need, do you, do you need to be watching me right now? 
do you need something? Can I help you with something? Yeah. Like, um, Stop following me. Yeah, and yeah. maybe I'll buy something. Right, right. Basically. <laughs> but, you know, this is something I've dealt with my most of my, most of my life, right? Mm-hmm. Growing up in the U.S. And he, he talked about this. And he, he wasn't this long screed, but he just, you know, he talked about it. This woman writing for the Washington Post, I want to say, I know she's a white woman. I forget. I want to say her name was Candace something, but I don't I, but I don't remember exactly. She said something. Mm-hmm. She, her opinion piece was very pointed and very angry. Said, uh, mm-hmm. "What? Do you, how? How can Barack Obama say this? As a white woman, I also get followed around stores." And I'm like, "No, you what? don't. Fuck oh, out of here." Meaning he's mis. I understanding. I understand. Meaning she's suggesting. He's misinterpreting right. the actions of people that are right, right, I see right, right, right. And I want to say, no, the mm. fuck, you are not. And that—that's pure. Uh, that's gaslighting. You're lying. You're lying because mm. you're uncomfortable with the vision of America that emerges from this that small story about his experience as a black man shopping. Mm-hmm. That's gaslighting. Yeah, and. I mean, it's a really, it's a fair point. And, uh, you know, when you or Steven or, you know, or if I reflect on it a little bit more, when I, when I think about kind of the larger context of that, I mean, it, it wasn't very long ago. It was like yesterday that those, that that was a regularly challenged narrative. Like, oh, you're just imagining things. That's not really happening. Very exactly. challenged, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, which has been, I mean, which is what, you know, has, you're imagining things since, you know, ni- 1969, right? It's, right? Everything's, it's all gone away now. Like, what right. are you, what are you complaining about? Right. So, and of course, you, a very common response when you are being told that you are imagining things is to, is to continue to yell louder and louder and louder and louder until you are heard. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, so the, the, the Charlotte, uh, the, the, the yellow wallpaper short story mm-hmm. uh, about how the woman is driven slowly mm-hmm. insane. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But like, no, Charlotte you know, there's nothing per- moving. Perkin and Gilman. Yeah. Yeah. G- Gilmore, Gilmore, Gilman. I'm not sure. Is it Gilman? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're constantly, you're like sort of driven to the point of, of madness. And so mm. I do, I do understand as much as I can understand, you know, I don't, I haven't had that experience. So I, as much as I can, but I can use my imagination to expand, uh, to mm. understand what that might be like. Um, but again, we don't seem to have anything pulling us back towards any kind of center. I don't mean political center. I mean, imagined center for what it means to like, we don't even, Mm. we can't even get on the same page about, you know, like freedom of speech at this point. Mm. I mean, the the guardians of uh, the the guardians of the first amendment, you know, that have been with us for decades seem to be abandoning their post. It doesn't seem to be something that they're that concerned about anymore. Um, Mm. So I, I worry about how these controversies just continue to amplify themselves until they get completely out of control and hysterical, mm-hmm. even though mm-hmm. I do, of course, understand that it wasn't but yesterday that even, you know, someone like Obama was being gaslit on that topic and, you know, multiplied by millions of, of black and brown Americans. So, you know, I mean... That, or women or queer people or... Any of, co- of course, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah just the reason yeah, I just brought in that on, on the sense that... 
that there's something about this notion of normal. No, I appreciate it. Normalness. Yeah, it should be up. Mm-hmm. I appreciate right. it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, this normal, being normal and this notion of impatience. Those are mm-hmm. the two things I'm thinking about when it comes to mm-hmm. this idea of a center, mm-hmm. a center in good faith, a center mm-hmm. that where people are really, I know that people are trying to operate out of that or who do automatically operate out of that. I agree with mm-hmm. you. And I think that social media doesn't make me any more, um, doesn't, doesn't make me more inspired to think that that could be something yeah. that people would reach for because if you want to be right, that that fu- that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. That's the, the mm-hmm. that's the first thing is mm-hmm. that you want to be right. Mm. Yeah. If you want the bet, if you want to get to the bottom of something, that's a whole different story, you know, mm. because it it's not you trying to be right. It's not you're just trying to figure out what to do, you know, mm. and you want to work with people in good faith. Mm-hmm. I continue to bring up good faith when I talk. I'm like, mm, he's not operating in good faith because he is this, this, and he's saying these things. These are things that are mm. being shouted out at me, mm. you know, and that's that's really hard because that imagine center. I never thought about it. I never thought about it in Imagine Center. I'm not religious. Yeah, I don't any faith communities. I just go, but what does right. that look like? So I, that's a good imagination project. I think I like. I think I'll take that on. Mm. What does it look like to imagine what that center would look like, and what would it take to get there? Mm. You yeah. know. Yeah. What kind of work? Did, what, what kind of work uh, does it entail? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Steph, I mean, we're probably coming up on time. Do you want to? I mean, you you introduce the topic. You want to? You want to take us out or? I had several things I was thinking of, and they all just went out of my head because my head is porous. Um, so we're just, <laughs> we're just gonna have to, we're just gonna have to galumph along. Uh, I, 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 I think I'm most intrigued by the idea of, um, it's a simple metaphor, but I think building. I want to think about building. I mean, and, and mm-hmm. the way tr- Stephen has kind of framed it is more as I could say, an imagination project. Um, mm-hmm. I want to take that a step further, I suppose, and not just talk about sort of imaginative constructs, but like how to actually build things. Because, and on the break, I looked mm-hmm. up another piece that we published recently, another op- opinion piece that, um, that mm-hmm. Hypologic mm-hmm. published that I worked on, mm-hmm. which was titled Abolish the Museum. And mm. that post, huge, mm-hmm, that post got 14,000. Hits. So, and, sure. and, and, and it wasn't a lot of imaginative content there. It was more, it was more sort of talking about the museum in terms of negation. Like, let's not do this. Let's not continue right. violence. Let's not do that. But not really about imaginatively or practically constructing something. And yes. yeah. I, mm-hmm. yeah. the more I think about the kinds of conversations I'm, taking an active hand in bringing to public consciousness, the more I'm realizing that I, I probably should be more responsible. Like, I, I don't want to mm. necessarily say, no, we're not, you know, and I don't have the, I actually don't have the agency to say, no, we're not going to publish yeah. this and that. But right. I may mm-hmm. have a bit more agency in what I bring to the public dining table. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And, and I think we need we need less of that we need less of abolish this destroy that burn Rachel Nichols at the state and more of um like we talked about earlier the work Mm. like how do we do the work yeah yeah I I mean I've always you know it's I didn't come up with this idea obviously but the best way to protect people's rights is to multiply them 
the best way to protect free speech is to have more speech. And so rather than, you know, rather than, you know, sort of tossing out arguments about defunding the police or abolishing the museum or whatever, there just need to be more voices on the other side of that because there are a lot of other fucking opinions on these topics. There's a lot of other smart people who are thinking about how to deal with this stuff. And what's happening now is that those other points of view are just being shut down. They're not, mm. they're not given the oxygen to compete. Mm. So. Mm. Steven, please don't, you have the last word, please. You look like you're about to say something. Just very quickly. Yes. Seth, what you said, Yes what you said, Travis, and I'd add to this, that I feel like people have a variety of roles in making this a better place, right? So mm. I do need to abolish the police people because at the very least they would bring something in good faith about what that, what, what would it entail? Does it mean, how does that look like? What does it look like on, on the ground? Bring the idea. Yeah. Don't shut down idea or shoot down the people. Engage it. So that my thing is that, and then yeah. we do need the builders and we need the people who cook and we need the people. So we need more of a communal response to some very complex issues that are being reduced to she's racist. He's mm. a homophobe. Mm. He's this, he, you know, yeah. I mean, that's the easy thing. So I don't think people are really stepping into a fuller role. So I really mm. appreciate what you're saying, Seth, about what you're bringing to the dining table, mm -hmm. you know? Mm. Yeah. And I think what we do on this podcast is a part of that. So, mm. Word. Yeah, that yeah that's all. Word. All right. Okay, my friends. As always, thanks very much for the conversation. Indeed. Thank you. Bye. Bye.